This podcast may contain explicit language. This is the Dynasty Download Podcast. And we're back on the Dynasty Download Podcast after an almost two-month absence. Um, it's it's going to be nice to talk about some sports uh, that actually might be coming back. I am Tom Duncan. Uh, co-host, Ethan Hamilton. It's good to be back. How have you been, my friend? Um, relatively good. Um, I haven't missed a ton of stuff. I'm excited that there might be some stuff going on. Uh, I'm not caring all that much that baseball might be the only one back because frankly, baseball has fallen into like my fifth spot of caring, but you know, it is what it is. So if the, if we can come back credibly and give Giannis a shot at a title, I'm good, bro. I want that so bad. I want that so bad. Yeah. Let, let's, uh, you know, LeBron get COVID and then we'll take a title. So Giannis will stay for the next 10 years. Man, I just, I even want to beat them straight up. I know for a fact we can beat them straight up. I'm excited. I'm so Boy, excited. I'm, nervous. I'm so excited about this, man. I, um, I'm nervous I about potential Lakers finals because you watch that game right before they went into quarantine and they just bullied, uh, you know, the, the down low for the Bucks and, I'm worried they're going to end up shooting like 40 free throws uh, a game in the finals. And I I feel like we can take them for sure. I I'm excited. I'm I was I'm a little concerned about the break, you know, cuz you you lose sure. that camaraderie and everything with your with your sure. squad, but I I love this Bucks team. I'm really excited for it, but let's it's, get into this dynasty stuff. I'm glad that they're going to have um that first round to kind of like have a warm up that that's going to be like preseason essentially for talent levels. So at least you have something to kind of build into, uh, but they're going to be the most rested playoffs we've ever had and probably will ever have. So, all right. So what do you want to start off the show with this week? Otherwise we can kind of just uh, run it back. However, um, I have no preference, however you want to do it. Um, all right. I then know. We'll just, We'll rip the Band-Aid off on uh, the co- most controversial to lead off the show and then just kind of trickle from there. So, um, the you know, since we had the whole Drew Brees blow up um, and then all of a sudden the NFL uh, reversing its stance on Kaepernick, uh, the guy's going to be, I think he's 31, but he would be a running quarterback in a league that's increasingly mobile. Um He's going to be have been out of the league, I think, at least three years. So what would his potential fantasy value be on somebody like the Chargers this week that said they'd be crazy not to have him on their physical roster? Absolutely. There's a there's a handful of teams that could use a person like Colin Kaepernick. And um, I mean, I just remember him tearing us up as Packers yeah. time and time and time again. And yes, maybe he doesn't have the prettiest arm in the world, but I can, he's better than a lot of these quarterbacks that are in the league right now. And the fact that he's not in the league is just, that's just a whole nother conversation. 
But he throws it's, better it's ridiculous. than Tim Sequel did. And just even players that are in the league, you know, right now, and for sure, what even if he was that bad, he why he can't have a backup quarterback role? Like, are you kidding me? Like, I don't even know who the Patriots quarterback is this year. Who is it? What's the name of their quarterback? Jared Stidham. You know? Who's know. the Chargers quarterback? Honestly, Tyrod Taylor? Who is it? Uh, are the Chargers? Their current starter is Tyrod Taylor. Yeah, Tyrod Taylor. Uh, they got Herbert, who they drafted. So that's that's the only question for me as far as uh, overall value. The teams that make the most sense for me are the ones that invested in older quarterbacks. Um like as being their premier starters. So I know that the Saints already went out and got uh, Jameis and they re-signed Taysom Hill, but, um, you know, like that Drew Brees situation, that would make sense. Uh, Bringing him in as the backup for Brady in Tampa Bay would make sense. Um, Bringing him in as the backup to Phillip Rivers, because I, I still don't think that that was a great signing, but I know they have Jacoby Brissett. Even so, um, and I know you have Alex Smith, but, like, the dude's coming off Joe Theismann-level uh, disruption in his leg. Um, his knee completely was busted. The and he almost skins, you know, the Redskins, the Bears, like, there's a, those are teams that should bring him in to compete. Let, I mean, it would be ironic that the guy who stands for social justice and all of that would come back to the Washington racial slurs, but... <laughs> I know what you're saying, but I'm just, I'm just saying. Uh, but like, he should be able to credibly have a home somewhere because just his mobility alone. I don't know whether he can play, but we should at least have entertain the opportunity to allow him to show it or not. Yep. Um, I don't think that's too much to ask in what we currently have. It's not like every team has a credible starter or like a top ten guy. Uh, I know that quarterbacking is a little bit better than it used to be, where it was like you only had a handful of guys that um, you would think maybe could win a Super Bowl that year because that was it. I mean, otherwise the rest of the team had to be uh, huge. But, you know, could he go in and uh, sign with Denver to be Drew Locke's backup with all those weapons and his mobility? Like, all of a sudden you hit on a weird streak where that team takes off or something, you know, there are just a lot of possibilities. And I, you know, watching ESPN do all of their shit, um, as far as the amount of players that are allegedly going to be kneeling this year. I mean, what was it? Kyler Murray's already said he was going to Baker Mayfield. JJ Watt said he, or even said that, uh, nobody should speak for him. I don't know if he will, but at least like he's not, um, saying he won't, um, you know, and that's Mr. Captain America, wrap myself in the flag, Wisconsin boy. So yeah. um, I don't know. I, it, it's just, it, it's one of those where I think we're going to get a much different league this year, which will reflect how different a year we're currently living in. I mean, it, it's hard to remember any other time in my life other than maybe 9-11 where the world completely shifted mm-hmm. and I mean that was much more rapid where it was like within the space of 24 hours the the world was completely different but even so in the space of a few months the the entire world has shifted and so we're gonna get 
I don't know if that's going to be reflected on the field, but it's certainly going to be reflected in just about everything else surrounding it. Yeah, I mean, I, it's going to be a weird year. Hopefully there is a year just in general, and I hope that it just doesn't take away from, first off, what they're trying to do and trying to bring attention to. Um, and I just hope the talk just doesn't take away from the game one and then, like I said, what they're trying to accomplish, too, because they can be separate. It can be separate. Um, Certainly. It's but super possible for them to get their point across and then still play the game of football, um, which is what should happen and which is what the NFL should have let Colin Kaepernick do. Like, I guess right. that this whole thing from three years back for him not being in the league this is just blown so completely and utterly out of proportion. It just blows my mind how we can have so many people say it, speak it. This is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it. And people still think like, well, you're doing this, you're disrespecting this, blah, 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 this. Even when the Green Beret comes out and was like, yeah, it was my idea to have him do this. Like, it's, it's, it's just dumb. And, you know, I well, hope... it's the co-opting of the discussion. Yeah. Uh, it's, I, I guess I just don't understand. I, I just don't understand. <laughs> I guess well, it's just the best way I can put it. Here's my other conniption with it. And it's the same thing we get into every labor dispute and everything else. Why the general population sides with the billionaires over the labor. That doesn't make any sense to me. Yes, the the millions of dollars that the players make, and oh, they're cr- no. Um, the owners are making usually more money or are worth more money. Why are we really siding collectively with the people that have the most power? That that's that will never make sense to me. So it's just people trying to protect their bottom line and not cost themselves some money. Where I think there are, we're finally getting to the point where we realize there are more important things than a few dollars here or there. I think so too. I think it's shifting and shifting in a good way, but I just I can't believe that it's taken this fucking long. <laughs> well, you know, for some people, it's gonna still take longer. Um, people I see every day, but you know, it is what it is. So, all right. So with that one out of the way, um, we'll do the uh, hypothetical trade proposal of the day which isn't so hypothetical. Apparently, I suggested this one on an episode a few months back um, that one of our league members, Mr. Philippi, uh, happened to be listening to and um, thought it might be a good idea. So, good trade or bad trade, uh, we'll play that game. He uh, uh, suggested Keenan Allen for George Kittle straight up. Oh, wow. Um yeah. <laughs> Dude, uh So, I, depending on I who I know he has a shit ton of wide receivers. So, him giving away um Keenan Allen is probably not a really big thing. And do you need wide receivers? Not really. Yes and no. I mean, so here's where my thinking goes on some of this, and I'll just kind of explain where my head is at. So Kittle is arguably the, if it's not him, it's probably Kelsey, um, the top tight end currently in the league. I mean, I I don't think that's really under dispute as far as fantasy value. His points per game, even last year where he was hurt, and the offense that he's currently playing in, 
um, where he's at least a top two target would just necessitate that. Um, now, I have Hunter Henry's backup, which is good, but, you know, what's the overall value? I also have Amari Cooper, Cortland Sutton, uh, Odell Beckham Jr., um, and uh, Will Fuller, Adam Thielen as my primary wide receivers. So, like, that's a decent stable of top-tier wide receivers. I'm probably about five deep. His receivers and overall value and quality um, are better than mine, but I wouldn't say that my stable's necessarily weak. Now, he has both of his first two draft picks this year, or Danny's. We've gone ad nauseum about that, and I don't think we need to revisit that. Um, He was kind of kicking himself over that while I was talking to him about it last (laughs) week. But, um, you know, what would be the overall value? So I asked him, and he never really said yes or no, but if he was married just to offering for Kittle himself or for um, Henry, you know, as a substitute, because really he's just trying to upgrade his tight end position, which I can't. Yeah. But Keenan Allen's value, like in the first part of the year where he was kind of, um, playing possession receiver, he was getting a ton of catches, and the rest of it um, was better. His second half of the year got a little bit better, but like the Chargers' offense was kind of a mess last year because their offensive line just was shit. So, you know, I, I, I it'd be a curious time to trade arguably a top two positional guy for an upgrade at a position where I would say that Keenan Allen and Amari Cooper are maybe equal value at the moment. And Cooper has the better upside going into this year because he's got a more stable quarterback position and playing in a potentially better offense. So then uh, you're talking, you know, are, am I upgrading on Odell Beckham Jr.? Because you can only put so many of these guys in to your lineup. So like, I'm set at quarterback most weeks with Mahomes, provided he's either not injured or on a bye. Um, Wide receiver, I'm going to get value out of most of my guys. It's a matter of running back and whether certain wide receivers play up to their value or not. Um, There are a couple of guys I could move on from that I wouldn't have a problem, but am I getting enough value back in Keenan Allen? Now, like if we're talking Devontae Adams, who's a top five wide receiver... That'd be fine. But I don't think that trade makes sense for Derek no. unless you're talking additives. No. So then it's a matter of, you know, do I do two players? Where do you do the draft picks? But I don't think this deal makes sense mutually on a like-for-like like basis. Let me chime in real quick. You, sure. Because this also brings us into another convers- another point that we were going to talk about. You're also right. thinking about rebuild, right? So... I'm stuck in a weird spot. You are. I have two really good, probably top five tight ends. Henry's only only knock is that he has an unstable quarterback position and he's had a lot of injuries in his short career. But when he's on the field, he's been productive. Kittle is a top two tight end. Mahomes is arguably the in the top three of quarterbacks on a given week, you know, just day in and day out. But the problem is, is a lot of the value in this league is still based on running backs where I'm really lacking. And my other than Cooper and the reputation of Beckham from years ago, 
like, do I feel hugely set with Sutton? No, but I think he's got positional value. Do I think Thielen has a really good year this year? Probably because he's going to be the only guy there, but he's also going to be in his 30s and he's going to be on a decline soon. So it may be time to move somebody like that um, for because it may be his peak value time um, for future picks. And that's why I talked to Ben equally last week. And I think that's another point of um, or interesting point where we could go on um, for discussion and his valuation of future draft picks by comparison to current draft picks. So we can bring that one into the conversation later, but uh, ultimately it's a question of, I, I think the team's on a knife edge. I don't think it's strong enough at the top level talent to be able to week in, week out with the lack of running back depth um, to compete for a title immediately. But can it make the playoffs? Absolutely, because I don't think I've missed the playoffs um, in Dynasty since we converted the league. So, you're like, you're like the Herb it, Cole Bucks. Yeah, you're you're <laughs> hovering around that like last spot in the playoffs, but you're not competing for that title. And so that's what I'm saying. Where you might give away a few assets in the near term yep. to go for the long term value and really push for that actual title. I don't yep. know. And it's one thing that you're going to have. It's one thing for me to say it now in the off season, given the uncertainty of what we're going to have once we get into the season. But um, at least from where I'm sitting right now, like other than maybe Patrick Mahomes, everybody else on the team is tradable. And the only reason I don't have Mahomes on there is, is just because of his um, potential length of uh, service. He's going to probably be a top five fantasy quarterback for at least, unless he has a significant injury, uh, at least the next eight years. So when you're looking at that, because, um, I mean, the guy's, is he even 24 yet? So I don't know. And I like his um, longer history because um, he's not playing the Lamar Jackson role where he's um, running into danger a lot. Like, I like Jackson in the near term, but his long-term value as a quarterback, I think, is a little less because he's going to take a lot of hits. So, you know, Mahomes is mobile, but he's a pocket-first quarterback. So if that's going to be the case, you know, that's that's my only thought. Everybody else, like, if I got the right deal, Amargi Cooper could be gone. So I feel like if you take that trade with Derek, then you would be in rebuild. Like, you would be looking to rebuild your roster then. And I would probably be looking for, like, a draft pick or something as in compensation sure. as well. Well, and that's the question of, you know, how far out do you want to rebuild? Now, I probably this is a good time to insert Ben's um, thoughts on uh, draft pick valuation. So in the near term, he actually has an attachment to his current uh, this year's draft picks than he would future draft picks. Usually it's the inverse. He really wants to nail this year's draft. No, uh, what I'm saying is, is that he thinks, so I think I offered him or asked what his valuation of Kareem Hunt would be, because uh, I have him on my roster. He has Nick Chubb, and it would be an insurance policy. But this year, he um, he's not willing to give a second round pick for Hunt uh, on the potential that he might end up with somebody that's not Cleveland next year and then be a starter. But 
uh, so he would have a third, but he actually downgrades him for a future third. Because, like, for this year, I wasn't necessarily thinking of... Um, I was maybe going to take the open spot and then keep somebody else in my 15-man uh, carryover. And so I was thinking, all right, if I could get maybe a second-round pick in 2021, okay. But he actually goes the opposite and um, values it less the year ahead. So he's more precious with future draft picks than he is with current draft picks. Which, Maybe it's just maybe for it. Kareem Hunt, though, because he has Nick Chubb. Do you really want to pay that much, a second-round pick, for a for a handcuff? It depends on who's in the draft. Like, I get his valuation. I was just more or less floating what the value would be. Because right now, like, Hunt was producing, and Chubb did take a downgrade uh, when Hunt came back, but Hunt was primarily the receiving back uh, for that that um, stint, those last, like, seven games. And mm -hmm. he did have some um, uh, PPR value because he was catching six, seven balls most games. Uh, like, his yards per catch and the rest of it weren't high, but it, nope. if they could get him into practice and do certain things, I think his value this year could be higher but again he's not going to be the number one he's not going to be um a top 15 back that i can see um immediately so i get his valuation i just as far as i'm looking at it normally i would um have lesser attachment to future draft picks so for example um if I were to take Derek's deal and uh, ask for a second round pick next year, because we don't know who's going to be in the draft pool, we don't know how deep it's going to be or how the college season, if there's going to be one, is going to play out. Um, you know, who's going to even be on the board in the second round? Because of that uncertainty, you're able to maybe fish that a little bit more out of somebody else, but. Um, I, I just thought it was an interesting thing. I can't fault him for it. It's just not necessarily what I think my uh, thought pattern is on it. Well, you have two huge handcuffs as well in Tony Pollard and uh, Madison. Um, what did you? Yeah, and, um, what are you expecting to get back for someone like that? Honestly, I'm okay with entertaining offers. I don't know if I have an expectation. Uh, Madison um, takes a bit of an upgrade, but I would probably be comfortable with doing future draft picks on it, depending on the comfortability of who was asking for it. And I, I don't know who has um, both Delvin Cook and. Um, uh, oh, bro, I do. I do, of course. Oh, but those even so, even if I didn't, that would still be like a great question because those are two assets that you were expecting to be at the end of last year, you're expecting to right. be in this exact spot with those two guys. Pollard That's why you picked him up. Has a fourth round grade because mm -hmm. like when he came in and he played, he was great, but like, he's still not supplanting Elliot and Elliot's contract wow. situation played out. Yeah. Now the question is, is I have Madison maybe not performing immediately well, but most of the people you talk to out of the Vikings camp, 
say he's as good um, when he's plugged in as Cook, but he didn't get to prove it last year because he got hurt right before Cook did at the end of the year when um, they really needed him. So he never got the carries that he probably should have at the back end. So, like, you don't have as much certainty on that, which I don't think I probably could get away with asking for a second, but... With the um, news, I think, what was it, last week or two weeks ago that Delvin is planning on basically sitting out, I don't think he can win that one, Um, which is why ultimately I can't um, place him in the first-round value like Delvin Cook would be um, immediately. But I think he wavers somewhere, and again, I might hold on to him to see where that ends up. The more Delvin holds out, the more value he potentially holds. Um, but it's somewhere between a second and third round um, valuation right now for me. And again, those are based on 2021 standards. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, the Vikings have a history of ending up paying their guys. Um, they didn't with Stefan Diggs, though. Um, but they have a history of ending up paying them before it gets too late. You haven't really heard too much about it either. Like it's been really quiet for since it's happened. I don't think the Vikings have said anything, at least not that I've seen. Well, and so, I mean, there are a couple of running back situations that really have to work themselves out yet. Um, I don't know what's going on with the Chicago running back situation. I don't know what's going on with, um, like Kareem Hunt's usage level. You know, um, back to Chicago, though, real quick before you go too far. Sure. I do think David Montgomery has a pretty decent year this upcoming year. I think, you know, one, you can't argue the talent that he had in college. Like, that dude broke tackles. No, he, was he was super quick, super agile. And you just, you can't, it just, it makes no sense why you just couldn't be able to translate it and have at least a somewhat productive NFL career. Um if he has another down year after after year two, then you got to start thinking, holy shit, this dude might be a bust. Um, but if I'm Derek, and I'm still I'm upset that I give away that I gave away those first two picks. But we've talked about this, and we've talked about his team time and time again. He's still a contender, especially like if Montgomery right. puts together a halfway decent year, and um, he well, does get a somewhat no decent tight end. Yeah, yeah, he's going to have Melvin Gordon in a starting position this year where he was much more uncertain last year when he made that trade yep. for Montgomery. He was looking for that secondary running back to really solidify the position. So yeah. I understand he's possibly in a better um, bargaining position. but um, You just don't know with Mark Ingram, though. You can't expect Mark Ingram to put up 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns again with five receiving grabs with J.K. Dobbins. There's no way, right? I I I think that David Montgomery and then um, Mark Ingram and then even Melvin Gordon because he didn't have a great year last year. Again, he's just a touchdown dude. I think they kind of like hold each other up, um, and it should be a pretty productive backfield that he has. And so he just needs he really does just need a, a tight end. I think he that's his weakest spot. Can Mark Ingram be a running back too? Yes. Yeah. I don't think he goes above that. But no. really all you need is a running back too with the sable of guys that he has. Like part of his problem last year is Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill. Um, Keenan Allen had a down spell too, 
but those other two missed time. He had Melvin Gordon out with an injury. So, like, he just had a confluence of bad um, injuries. And so normally you'd think, okay, I had down year where I got kind of hosed, and so now I have the draft picks. Except he, you know, made that deal, and so now he's kind of out that. Uh, you would think he would have the bounce back on that. But, you know, ultimately he's going to have to try and uh, figure out a situation either to move back into the draft or do something probably at the expense of Danny, to be honest. So, <laughs> Well, with Melvin Gordon, too, I mean, I, I think his yards probably stay around the same. He had 600 yards last year because you are going into an already crowded backfield. You have Philip Lindsay, you have Royce Freeman there, too. Like, he's going to be the lead back, but I think it's going to be a lot of running back by committee. And I think with Melvin Gordon, it is going to be like he's been his whole career pretty touchdown dependent. So I think he's going to be the goal line guy. Um just because he has been before he's from that system. So I don't think the touchdown value is going to drop. It's whether he's, um, they get him into workable space. Part of the problem with, um, the chargers was they weren't running, um, systems that allowed him into space. Like Gordon's best ability is his speed, which never fully got utilized until he's in the open field. The other thing is, is, now that he's out of the shadow of Eckler, is he going to be uh, more utilized in a passing capacity? If he does, then his overall value will climb on a points-per-game basis just from that. So even if you get, you know, one or more points a game so that he's, like, between 9 and 11 instead of uh, 7 and 9, that's that's already running back to territory. And it, he may not excel at the position um, for running backs, but... You know, if you've got a couple of guys, I would agree with your overall valuation because of the price you paid for David Montgomery. You have to hold on it. Like, yeah, you do. Otherwise, you're going to take a significant loss. Um, And I don't see anybody paying his true valuation if he ends up producing because he is a lead back in a um, system that should have been much more productive than it was. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't blame. I don't blame. Derek that bet that much either honestly I, I was huge on David Montgomery round rookie draft time last year I wanted him I wanted him really freaking bad and um well I, mean, I thought it was a toss-up between him and Josh Jacobs and obviously that didn't be the case or didn't end up being the case yeah I mean still a lot of career left but we'll see but doesn't he also have Kenyon Drake um yes he does so, oh, I mean, damn. Yeah, he's, he's sitting got okay. Options. He's sitting okay. Yeah, I mean, he's going to be a, he's gonna be another one. I think he's in my division, too. So. He only needs to hit on one of those guys being a cre- credible number one starter each week, and he can fill in the rest as an RB2 and flex position guys. Like, if he has two RB2s on a re- regular week, one RB1, and then, you know, his regular wide receiver stable, um, I already think he should be starting Dak Prescott every week um, outside of Tom Brady, but um, he's got options. Like really the only position he's weak at is tight end. Yeah. It's tight end. So then it's it's a matter of like where he can find value in that. So that's a good thing for him because tight ends typically go pretty late in our, he should be able to pick up a pretty halfway decent rookie one in our draft. Yeah, but the rookie tight ends very rarely. I mean, you're usually thinking second. I know, I know, but it, it it would future wise, like he could get if he hits right. Like, I don't know what's going to be okay. the draft pool is the one question. So, 
I mean, that, that'll be a question that is going to be open-ended until we get to the point where we have to do finalized rosters, which I'm going to have to select a date here in the near future for. Um, but, uh, you know, it's it's something to keep in consideration. So, Well, we were talking about uh, running back by committee and everything, too. So let's go to another crowded backfield that I myself still can't figure out and I want to figure out because I want one of the guys in the committee and that is the Los Angeles Rams. This is going to be the year to watch Hard Knocks. <laughs> they just announced today that they're doing both the Chargers and Rams. Um, oh, they're doing them both? Yeah, because they're, well, I mean, they're basically sharing facilities right. to a certain yeah. extent. Yeah. So, um, you know, I okay, but... I don't think we're going to get a clear picture. I, I really don't. Um, and it's quite possible that the Rams rotate so that they don't over-rely on running back. I mean, this is such a weird thing. The running back position is the most valuable to your weekly effort because it's the difference between the number uh, the top five running backs and, like, the uh, 15 to 20 slot running backs is so huge. But... Um, from a year-to-year basis, you can't anticipate value because people can just drop off a cliff or they go sign for a new team or something else. And so, honestly, I have no idea sometimes with the running back class. You're trying to hit gold um, with a couple of rookie drafts here or there, but there's there's no telling from year-to-year who's going to be what. I have the same situation out of Seattle right now. They signed Devontae Freeman as like an insurance policy, and they're a run-heavy team. But I've got both Rashad Penny or Rashard, Rashad, Rashard, whatever. Anyway, uh, and he's not probably going to be back for the beginning of the season. So then you think, oh yeah, Chris Carson will be the top guy. But I don't know. I don't know. I I have no. That's part of the reason I stay away from the Seattle backfield one is just it's tough to figure out um but the i really like cam Akers. i know we've talked about it before right um pro football focus has him as like the number three overall rookie pick um you talk to or you read a lot of stuff and it's like i'm not so sure on cam Akers. and you read other stuff and it's like oh my god this guy's gonna be such a steal i feel like if the situation plays out properly he would be a steal but i can't figure it out I, I every day so I debate back. Here's my only advice to you as as just somebody who goes through this themselves. You know when they release the bracket on um, Selection Sunday for March Madness and you have your immediate picks. I always fill out a bracket immediately before I get any analysis by any of the talking heads. And you have that impression. And half about like 60% of the time my initial bracket does better than the one I do at by the end where I've like read everything and talked to all of these people and tried to force my way through it. If you believe in him, stop reading anything about him and just go on there. <laughs> I just because that once, you're just going to drive yourself nuts. That I I have been. I have been. I have been. Especially having the number 2 pick like don't want to fuck that up. I think there are a lot of territories that you could go, and frankly, you're not going to know whether you screwed it up or not. (laughs) Until. Well, until minimum the end of the season. 
and yeah. I would say probably two or three years down the road. So it's not like fuck you, uh, Corey Davis. Yeah, well, that, that was another thing entirely. But like, um, I mean, there's nobody that's uh, the, the immediate value like Ezekiel Elliott being the number one or Saquon Barkley being the number one. But you have four or five guys that I could reasonably take, and we're all going to have a potentially different value order on all of them. Because yeah. Clyde yeah. Edwards-Elair went in the first round, I think most people are going to value him, and because of the offense he went to, that he'll be the number one. I think that's probably what's going to end up happening. But I can see, you know, that falling to number two because Allen decides to go with Jonathan Taylor and whether or not he's going to be the top back in that Colts system because Marlon Mack's coming up on a contract here. Well, I think okay. I- if Ike shows up to the draft, he's taking Jonathan that Taylor. That is a no. That, that Did, have you no. talked to him yet? You haven't figured out what I haven't talked him. to him about this yet. <laughs> um, it was his birthday yet, so I will yep. give him a happy birthday shout-out. Um, I told him I would give him his spankings next time I saw him. But, oh, that's uh, very nice of you. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I think if he shows up to the way I'm thinking about it in my head is Jonathan Taylor is already off the board, so. And that's fine. Like I think he could be. I I can't complain about it because um, who knows? Like what what was the one draft where um, McCaffrey, Fournette? I'm trying to think who else went in that one. Cook, he had like three or four Mixon. guys, and like McCaffrey was the fourth pick. Yeah, he was. I passed so, on him twice. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. So that was the Cook and Mixon draft. Okay. Yep. That's, okay. Yep. I passed on him twice. So that's Two what times. I mean. Like, you, you, you don't know. I mean, he was not the primary back when he came in. Jonathan Stewart was. Yeah. And that's now, like. But so that's the thing. Like Jonathan Taylor is in a weird, crowded situation, but could break out. Um, DeAndre Swift is going to the Lions, where like they haven't had um, more than one great uh, running back season since Barry Sanders retired twenty years ago. But you know, could he break out and do something? Possibly. Um, could Mark Ingram um, develop COVID and therefore uh, miss half the season and? So J.K. Dobbins overtakes him. You know, I mean, there are so many variables. You just try and make the best decision in the moment. And if you like Cam Akers, you like the system he is, and you have him rated higher than other guys, you just take him because you don't know. The one fallback position I'll give you is, is that you have three other guys to at least rely upon, provided that Delvin comes back, which I still think he will before the season. We've seen all of these holdouts. Nobody get or Elliot was the only one that could actually get his money because he had um, some ability to do so and knew his overall value. But there are very few running backs that you could credibly say uh, are going to make that much of a difference to their team. You know, maybe Saquon Barkley and that's probably the list. Yeah, I mean it's between anybody else like. Acres and Dobbins for me, honestly. I didn't think you had Dobbins quite that high, but I've been jumping back and forth. 
but it is what it is. I'm very interested. So there are probably five or six guys that you could reasonably say are in that running back list. So I'll probably get by default, whichever guy is going to be in that fifth slot. Um, so it's a matter of which one is going to fall to that position. And then it's a question also, like if it's swift and whether I think he's going to be good enough, or if I want to do something like take Judy and lock up that Denver, uh, top receiving spot, you know, those are just options. But at that fifth pick, I've, I'll trade you I've Noah Font. I'll trade you Noah Font then too. <laughs> okay. Why? That way you can. That way you can have all the Broncos receivers. Okay. <laughs> Give me Demarius Thomas just for like veterans too, or like. If I had him, I'd okay. include him in there for free. Oh. Yeah. I don't think well, anybody has him. Uh, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Um, yeah, this, uh, this class, um, is different in years past because you're right. Like the people at the top of the, of the class and the people at the bottom of like the first round of the class, you could very easily make a argument for any of them to be, to go up there. Like you look at fantasy pros and pro football focus, like you have Justin Jefferson as the number nine person picked and you could easily see somebody taking him over Jerry Judy, you know, and he's the number six person pick that they have on here. So, I mean, it's weird. It's interesting. Make a case credibly for how many three wide receiver sets they ran last year. And, uh, the offensive coordinator being the same play caller. Um, cause that was the stipulation of Mike McCarthy coming in, but that CD lamb could be in that, territory because uh but by the same token you could downgrade him for the same things that you build him up with that mm. he's going to be on the field with two other guys pretty much every down and so you know how many targets are going to go around when you have ezekiel elliott in the backfield but uh, you know yeah. just some thoughts now uh some small breaking news that literally just came down uh, Debo Samuel has a Jones fracture in his foot. He's going to be having surgery and uh, might return early in the season. Oh, wow. wow. Foot injury, that sucks. Yeah, because that, you know, it's not a list frank, so at least there's that. But um, those things are weird, and they um, don't heal the same for everybody. AJ so... Green? AJ Green, anyone? Um, it's not the same type of injury, but just the foot in general, like a foot injury is, yeah, that can, that can mess a whole, that can mess a whole year up. Well, I mean, feet, ankles or anything like that for wide receivers are always, or cornerbacks is always tough. Um, by comparison, like if it was a trench guy that, you know, you're basically just playing through the pain, but you don't need it to cut and do all of those other things. So that's. That's where the tendency comes in. So, you know, now Brandon Aik, um, Ayuk, yep. uh, becomes, you know, possibly a higher value if he's going to be the number one out of that system. But, I mean, that's a lot to place on a rookie. Um, and I don't know what the 49ers have uh, outside of that right now as um, value. So maybe George Kittle's upgraded in the initial part of the season. But there's still a run-first offense. Yeah, absolutely. 
So, absolutely. Um. All right. So we were just gonna basically do a straight value on this one, um, and uh, put this up. So the only other major piece I had at the moment is, is you're looking at um, a couple of different people you're targeting on, around the league. I think specifically one of our new members uh, at Martinez's team. Is there anything in particular value you would be willing to share on that front? Oh, uh, you know me. I'm pretty open with my trade discussions. Um, probably not in my best interest, but um, I don't know. I just like talking fantasy football. Um, Ed wise though, for me, um, first and foremost, welcome to the league, Ed. Um, secondly, I'm really sorry about your team. (laughs) It's it's pretty bad, but, um, like for me and for what I would personally be doing with, if I was Ed and I was on this team, I would be trading every single one of my top talent people because by the time you can turn this team around, I feel like they would all have seen already seen their better days, especially like your running backs, because um, you know they're going to get the crap kicked out of them. So for me and Ed, I would be targeting Miles Sanders. One, because I need a running back really freaking bad because Delvin Cook ruined my offseason. Um, I would be targeting – I might try to target uh, Miles Sanders. I might even offer to – because Ed's got what, the fourth pick in the first round? Third pick? Yeah. Fourth pick? Yeah. Um, I might even, you know, swap trade spots or with him in the draft so he can move up to the second. Um, maybe have a chance at getting Jonathan Taylor if Ike doesn't show up to the draft or not. That might entice him because he's a pretty big Badger and uh, Badger fan. Um, but I'd also try to offer maybe some trade or some picks for next year too. And I feel like the picks for him is what I would want. I would want as many draft picks as I can get. Cause like we've talked about before this team is nothing really jumps out when you look at it. So if it's just like, you're talking about one pick, um, I think Miles Sanders is probably the equivalent of a first right now in just valuation because he's the sole running back in a uh, potentially productive offense. Mm-hmm. Um, Howard is the most, uh, likely or Coleman where you can get return value, but Howard's going to be valued higher because he's going to be the lead back in Miami, but he brings almost no receiving value. So you're downgraded there. Honestly, outside of maybe Devonte Parker and Tyler right. Boyd, yep. where I'd be willing to trade them, but um, you want like really good return. The rest of the team, I think, you know, it, quarterback you can interchange certain people and Matt Stafford and Kirk Cousins you can probably just get by with um, Mm -hmm. from where he's at but he's going to get probably a top four running back anyway so he's going to have a couple of starters and guys in lead positions he can put a decent team on the field starting next year um, and be uh, you know maybe pushing for the playoffs as much as we've ripped apart this team like you know, he's got two top-end wide receivers, at least from how they finished the end or the year last year. He's got maybe a back-end tight end or top-ten tight end in Jack Doyle, and he can fill incredibly in his flex positions if he's, you know, decent. So, you know, depending on who he drafts and whether they end up playing right away, 
Um, you know, he's got options, but I, I would agree with your your overall um, position that if he can find value and build uh, up, because I don't think unless he somehow pulls a Danny from last year, um, that this team is going to be viable at uh, going for a championship right away. He should look at potentially um, stack, stacking picks and seeing what he can do from that value or taking a flyer and um, trading a guy that's a little bit more established for a guy that might be up and coming. Too. And with as good as this wide receiver class is, too, my first two picks, like I might think about only taking wide receivers because they're young, they last a long time. Um, and then you can get a running back next year because you like we like we talking about, you know, running backs, they don't have very much tread on their tires to begin with, but they are so important to your success if you want to have a successful fantasy year. Um, so you have a back end first round pick, right? You have I do. like the ninth pick. You're so let's say, for example, that you took. Um, I'm trying to think of who would be on the board for that. Um, oh, you really like uh, who is the kid that the Colts drafted? Michael, Michael Pittman. Pittman. So not that you'd necessarily do, but this it's a name that might be available at that ninth slot. Um, if he were to offer you um, Jordan Howard for Michael Pittman. Like that's that's a viable trade. I don't think you'd do that because of how much you value Michael Pittman. Yeah. Um, but um, I think that that is a credibly decent trade offer that um, might be enticing to the right person or whatever else. You know, that's again predicated on you drafting Michael Pittman or him being there. Like if Ben snagged him the pick ahead of you or, Dana, or you know Dana's pick or whatever. Um, but you know, that, that, that's an option for a running back weary team. This would be, this would honestly be a trade that I would have no problem offering Ed that I would think if he, that I would take if I was him too, if I was to offer him something like my first round pick, the second overall pick for his fourth round pick. So I moved back two spots. I also give him Allen Robinson this year. And then I take Miles Sanders, and then I give him next year's first round pick. Like one, you have a you're getting a young, you're getting a pretty decent wide receiver back who's still young that's got some years left on him. I think Allen Robinson is incredibly so, so underrated. Let me, so first off, let me just um, get get all of the terms of this one potentially straight. So he'd move up two slots. Correct. And draft in that that slot for you, you just move back to the fourth overall pick, not the fourth round. Uh, right. That's what I originally understood. You'd give your first next season. Yeah. And Allen Robinson in order to uh, have Miles Sanders. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's interesting because I don't think I have him valued that highly. Miles what is it that you're seeing in Miles Sanders that um, gives you that kind of? I guess confidence level. I think Miles Sanders takes off this year. I think first off, he was super heavy in the receiving game. I think with them adding um, Jalen Rager, with them ha- being healthy again, that's only going to add to his one. It's going to open up um, the field for him to rush the ball. 
because um, he had less than a hundred or two hundred carries last year, and it'll also give him more opportunity for targets too. Maybe more space, maybe less targets, or maybe around the same amount of targets, but it would give him more space to work with. I I, I don't know. I see Miles Sanders as having a breakout year this year, and because I really need another, I need another running back. If you see him as an RB1 where he's a top five back, that trade makes sense because I like the incoming class for 2021. Again, predicated on uh, there being even a college football season, which it looks like there might be. Um, I also plan on picking I also plan on picking at the end of the first round again next year too. I understand. Um, but then he'd still have two first round picks in that potentially right. um, not necessarily equally, but um, pretty decent um, class overall because there are still a lot of position players coming out for next year's draft that I think um, you know could be very good, especially in the running back class. It's probably not as deep of a wide receiver class, um, but it might be equally as much of a running back class going into next year. You got Travis Etienne and uh, Chuba Howard and or Hubbard, excuse me, and uh, a couple other guys that you know you might have uh, some overall value, but. Um, I don't see the ceiling for Miles Sanders ever being beyond an RB2. That's just my personal evaluation because of how the Eagles interchange their running backs. He would have to be um, the exclusive running back for the Eagles, and they'd have to uh, be equally productive with what they're doing. And I don't think any of those systems... None of the Andy Reid disciples um, create anything outside of an RB2. Um, Andy Reid's always creating like RB1 value for whomever is the primary ball carrier, um, unless it was last year, um, you know, outside of the playoffs. Um, Damian Williams was not uh, a productive back, and I was kind of banking on that last year. But, um, you know, I just, I have a hard time... Um, seeing that as the same value. And this isn't a talk you out of it. I personally, if I'm Ed, I think I win that trade um, going away because you're trading a, you know, valuable, you already said it, Allen Robinson is a valuable piece, but then he gets to move up two slots. And I also want to caution this, that we keep talking about trading this year's picks. It would be the NBA style that because of how Yahoo's system works, we can't trade it within the draft. It would be post-draft where you'd mm-hmm. have to instruct that person who to draft for you. So he would have you making whichever pick he had at two, and you would be doing the same for him at four. Um, and I, I understand it because, honestly, the difference between two and four, other than um, you get a little bit more preference on which of the five guys you take, five or six guys you, you would end up taking. Um, you know, I've already told you that I don't know if I would move up from five to two in order to do that because there's no home run guy to me in this draft out of those five that, like, um, I wouldn't have options. And so the value of moving up three slots is not as high as, say, it would have been, again, with, like, an Ezekiel Elliott or Saquon Barkley or something where it's it's a can't-miss guy. But, um, you know, throwing in that extra first-round pick and – a pretty valuable wide receiver um, option, you know, mind you, it's still in a bad system, but he had a pretty good year. Um, if you know, catches. Yeah. Right. And, you know, they have backup options where it's not just Trubisky. They'd be able to bring in 
um, Nick Foles in an offense he's probably familiar with because he's from the um, Doug Peterson, Andy Reid um, area or like offensive system line where he knows what's going on with Matt Nagy in Chicago that I think the Chicago offense will be better this year. I can't say it's going to be great because it's still the Bears. Um, but, you know, at least credible enough that Allen Robinson can be effective and uh, a pretty good third option. If you're talking about him starting, um, I guess that would leave him with uh, a starting core of Tevin Coleman. Um, uh, why am I drawing a blank? Uh, Jordan Howard, uh, whichever back he ends up taking in the second slot. Devontae Parker, Tyler Boyd, and Allen Robinson, like, that's a pretty good nucleus to at least make a credible playoff push, and you have some long-term value because you'd have at least three starting wide receivers that you'd be able to have for multiple years. Um, but here's I, the thing, I think, too. I don't have a problem getting rid of Allen Robinson because as it sits right now, Allen Robinson is probably my fourth wide receiver. I'm also probably going to take... That's fair. Yeah, I'm also probably going to take at least one, if not two wide receivers in the first couple rounds of the draft because that wide, that running back pool is going to run out quick and it's just going to be a run on wide receivers. Also, I have A.J. Green coming back, and I know you're not high on him, and I know a lot of people aren't high on him, but I still think A.J. Green has wide receiver two potential. Like He just didn't forget how to play the game of football. Like He's A.J. fucking Green. Second, Miles Sanders, it's going to be his second year in the league, right? He had less than a 200 carries and he had about, I don't know, he had like 800 yards or something like that. And he had around like 50 catches or something like that too. But he's also giving up work to Jordan Howard. And you said it too. Jordan Howard is gone now. Um, so I don't have a problem getting rid of giving, getting rid of Allen Robinson. You also said it too. Like the, the, the position ranks in the draft too, don't drop off that far. So I don't feel like I'm losing a whole lot by going from two to four. Because if, especially if the guy that I'm looking at is Cam Akers, I think he's going to be there at four. I, I'm probably the highest person in our draft that's on Cam Akers right now. I can probably say that without a shadow of a doubt. So I just don't um, think. I think Ben might be in the same camp with you, to be honest. But outside of that, um, I don't know if he has him quite uh, as far as you, but he's probably pretty equal. And I think you've kind of talked me into that, but, but you're also talking me into your uh, positional value. That. So yeah. honestly, you know, if first off, I mean, if I was advising, it would be more from the standpoint of Ed, who's just starting to build his team yep. Yep. would yep. tell him to take yeah. the value. On the, the value and is that, enormous. I think so too. Coming, yeah. And I think so too. And for me, it would just be something like I need to get this trade done. Yes. Maybe I'm giving up a little much, I expect to be at the back end of the first round next year. So essentially I'm giving away an early second round pick. Um, well, but, and you're, but ultimately I think your, your thinking is correct. Your exposure level on it isn't nearly as high as what Derek did in, you know, the now infamous um, David Montgomery, team, <laughs> um, where like he's trading his first two round picks in a stacked draft class. Yeah. So like, yeah, you know, the, the exposure level isn't nearly as high, thus um, giving you the potential for, like, if it doesn't work out and, like, Miles Sanders um, doesn't doesn't do that. Now, I will say that you have to trade pick for pick. So 
the swap of the first rounders um, in this year's, but then you'd also have to give yeah. or uh, you'd have yeah. to give you like a sixth or seventh round pick yeah. for next year's, just so that the picks balanced out on uh, the overall. But yeah. um, you know, I think that that does win for him and your risk exposure because your team is pretty deep at several levels, and it's it's possible that they're not signing him. The one thing I'll say is is that's a lot to invest in basically an insurance policy at running back. So Yeah, maybe. I maybe you're but right. But it, it again, that's predicated. He'd be your fourth option if Delvin's right. playing. Yes, he would be my but fourth option and then I would still get like a Cam Akers or something too. And then if I could that's still true. get one of the handcuffs that you have too, that would put me in a better spot as well to where I'm at. So, I mean, that's just the plan or like the little idea that I have running in my head to kind of solidify and patchwork the problem that Delvin cook um, caused a couple weeks ago. The depth and overall level of how you've built out your team um, allows you to take a few more risky plays on some of this. So I I will give you a a little bit of credit on that. Um, At least as it is for again going for it in the same way that you made that trade with Dana a couple yeah. of years ago, and that yeah, simply that's resulted in your championship, but ultimately um, gave Dana a few more options. Um, you so. got to give some to get the. You got to give some to get the bacon a little bit. Sometimes you well, have to do it. Well, nothing ventured, nothing gained. Sometimes, and you know that that's the thing is is sometimes you have to take the short term play. I wouldn't suggest it on everything, but if you're one of the three or four players that's really able to go for a championship. And I think, you know, Ben, um, possibly Derek, yourself, um, and maybe Dana's still in that category. He seems to hang around every year where he's in that category, yeah, regardless real, of how his team even looks he's a real at mid-season. Son of a, bitch. a real son of a bitch. I <laughs> love hearing that. <laughs> no, I mean, in, in that too, like, and our league isn't getting any easier. Like we keep adding more and more people that are super dedicated to it and that want to do really well at it. And like, that's where I'm at too. Like, I don't know if I'm ever going to get another team that's this freaking good. Like we keep adding people that do a whole lot more in the off season. Like Ed does a whole hell of a lot of draft research. Ben does a whole hell of a lot. I do a lot. You do a lot. Dana does a lot. Um, Derek, I think does as much as he can, but with his job, like it's a little harder to do no but but he like for what he has in value on the team like this is going to be a very cutthroat league yeah um and which i think makes it more fun ultimately because you know the the harder the obstacle the sweeter the victory uh but um i i I fully understand what you're saying i mean honestly um Dana's got two starting running backs, but he's he's a little bit shaky after that. But, I mean, he's got Kenny Galladay and DK Metcalf and Cooper Cup as his um, reload after he at one time had um, Edelman and Hilton and um, uh, Julio Jones and all of that. I mean, he's still got Mike Evans on the team. He's yeah. still got Hilton. Yeah. Um, you know, he loaded up on Robbie Anderson uh, and uh, Curtis Samuel. Dude, he's got... He's got Calvin Ridley too. Calvin That's Ridley's going to go off this year. I think he has a huge year. I think Calvin Ridley has a huge year. Mark my words. Like you can even tell Dana that I said that. Like I think he has think a better year than he's year. had up to this point. But like 
what do you define as huge? Like, I think behind uh, if you're if you're talking huge, where he'll be the second wide receiver on his team. No, he'll be the second wide receiver point wise on Dana's team. Like I think he'll come in after um, Kenny Galladay for points. Are you saying so? Okay, are you saying that it, that in that scenario then because you know we're talking huge as you put it. That it would be like one A one B, where he is, he and Julio Jones are like Mike Evans and Godwin last year. I can, I would totally one hundred and ten percent stand by that. I mean, he had ninety three targets I, last year, and he had sixty three receptions. He had eight hundred yards. He almost had seven hundred yards receiving with seven touchdowns. Like on sixty three on sixty three grabs, that's pretty damn good. I, I and you I just know don't how much the Falcons like to throw the ball. I, I don't see him being a direct replacement for all of the targets um, that were going to um, oh why um, Sanu no Hooper like he was already oh. play, placing Sanu <laughs> by midseason and so that right. got things but um, like the biggest part is is where all of those targets were coming out of uh, Hooper uh, I see him maybe taking a step forward and being a really credible number two. But I don't, I don't see him in that top tier, you know, top fifteen slot. But he could be serviceable as a, a flex option given Dana's depth elsewhere. So it's, I think, I think Calvin Ridley is going to be a weekly starter for Dana. Well, that could be because I, I don't think you know, he's already got Cup. Um, if you pencil in Kelsey, Singletary, and David Johnson into those three slots. Um, you know, he's got Cup. Uh, he's going to start Mike Evans. He's going to start... You think he'd be interested Galladay. in trading Julio and Galladay back straight up? Uh, <laughs> you want to ask him for me, maybe? <laughs> I'll ask him tonight if, if you want, want me to, but um, I doubt that's going to be the case. You'd be trading Julio and a first round back. <laughs> Yeah, I know. <laughs> so you'd basically have given up, you know, <laughs> two first round players. picks. <laughs> and since you're not tra- or you're trading for the younger guy, I think you'd even have to upgrade that because, like, Julio is probably going to be fine for this year, and he's still age defying as far as that. Uh, Dude, he's crazy though, isn't he? Well, I mean, he's a freaking like Adonis as far as like health and athletics. He's just crazy. Absolutely crazy. Yeah, I I thought maybe last year would be his year where it's like, all right, Julio's taking that downturn, but I think maybe it'll be this year. And I'm not, I was thinking of maybe I should figure out a time to trade Julio. I'm just going to let it ride. I, I, you, you really are in a position where you can and that it's not going to matter, but like, you know, if there's somebody going for it, like you might be able to swing uh, Julio for like Nick Chubb from Ben. Ooh, that would be that would be interesting. I should throw that his way just to see what he would say. Well, and uh, again, that's an entertaining thing. But like, you know, Chubb is a um, lower tier. He didn't have as big of a year last year. And Hunt is going to be their full year where his numbers started to really drop off where he wasn't getting 25 carries or 25 touches a game because Hunt was there. So Ben needs receiver help. 
and you're giving him uh, a guy that could really upgrade that where he's already got like three other or two other backs that um, he's starting week in and week out. Stacked at running back. Yeah. I mean, do you have any inside information on what your father plans on doing in the draft or no? He's been pretty quiet about well, it. Well, I mean, he's he's got that seventh pick, but I've got his second round pick too. So um, I don't know if he's really looked at it, to be quite honest. Uh, he and I haven't had huge discussions on it. Um, more than likely, he's going to want to go for a running back. So, like, but at the seventh pick, he's going to have a hard time. So then he's got to try and make a trade to do something in that regard. So if I were him, you trade a name like, T.Y. Hilton and uh, Edelman on the short term to somebody like Ben, who, um, you know, I don't know where he's drafting. Or you take somebody like Kayshawn Vaughn if they uh, fall to you at seven, you know, which is possible. But, you know, he's really only aided by the fact that I gave him that sweetheart deal because he just whined like a little bitch over uh, me taking Singletary in the second round. (laughs) He had two first-round picks, and he whined because I took the guy ahead. Then take him with one of your other selections. You Anyway, I'm just a little mad now that uh, I basically gave him that for nothing because, you know. But for the amount of other times that I've um, gotten the better of deals on him, uh, I'll take it, I guess. It's worth it. It's worth it. So... It keeps him involved, and I'd like, you know, or I like to keep him, you know, mentally involved in the league and the rest of it, because on other ones, he just quits so easily. So this (laughs) is like the one league that he's been able to excel, and therefore he stays active. Good. Good. That's exciting. So, I know, because I beat him at hockey and basketball this year. I don't play any of the other ones. Oh, I'm too single not to play the other ones. So. <laughs> um, you got anything else? Um, not at the moment. Um, I mean, like, how do you feel about the Dalvin situation? Um, frustrated. Uh, but I get it. You know, I do, feel like do you the, think he's going to play week one and do you think he'll get his money? Those are really the two questions. What's he asking? He's asking for like 13 a year. I didn't see a number, so I don't uh, know. He's asking for around like 13 or so a year, which do I think he'll ever going to give him. It ain't happening. Do I think he'll play week one? Yeah, you you have to like. After seeing Melvin Gordon, like you have to play, right? But do I think the it's it's unfair to running backs like their market that they have? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I, I think almost I think they should the... almost have their own little union. Like they should have their own it should be separate. Because but... they're completely their position has changed completely. Oh god, yes. I, I completely agree and I feel the pain for him, but uh, on the same thing, their market value has just fallen off and they're not going to get it back that's why i you know like aaron jones has no bargaining position nope Um, you are absolutely insane if you think you're paying a running back more than eight million dollars a year right now so the fact that he wants almost uh double that there's just no way in hell i would ever give it to him especially if you really believe that highly in madison 
So that means you're going to drive the point. And at which point, if that's his number and he's really going to stick to it, he has a choice to either play it out um, and prove that he's worth it, which he's, I, I don't care who you are. Um, you know, I, Saquon Barkley and Ezekiel Elliott aren't getting 13 a year. Um, or you miss games. So it, I guess it's just a matter of what what do you think his um, either, I don't want to say stubbornness, but like, will is on that position i i don't know i'm glad that it's not me ha- that has to worry about it i get to sit back and giggle a little bit because i have madison for this exact reason but you saw it coming huh not necessarily that i saw it coming i just mine i picked him up more of um health and also to troll you but you know that's <laughs> that's to be expected you can see from my squad, though, I'm not much on handicaps. Like, I just, or handcuffs. Like, I'm just, I oh, don't I have get any. I just. There are very few guys that I like, like for like, handcuffs make sense. Like, mm. you're not taking Gio Bernard to back up Joe Mixon because you're not getting the same value. No. I, I, Madison and Pollard were the only two where I felt they could step in and it would make sense immediately. I had Pollard. I had Pollard. Remember, I drafted him last year, and then I got rid of him because I needed to make roster space. And I was stupid not to pick up Madison. Like that was—that's just dumb of me. Knowing Dalvin Cook's history, I should have picked him up. But now, realistically, the only position that you're, you know, potentially weak at is quarterback. Um, that you still think that weak? Use quotation marks. But, like, you're playing the overall value. I, I can't fault you for what the strategy has been. I mean, the results are there. Um, but, like, I, if you had a third or fourth round pick and one, like, Tua or Herbert or whatever else, I'm not above drafting another quarterback. Like, See, I, I would, but I just I don't want to waste a roster spot on just a quarterback that I'm just going to hold. And then I'm going to have to make the decision at the end of the year if I want to keep him on my 15-man team or not. Like, I just I don't find the value in uh, holding quarterbacks like that. Like, I have Carson Wentz. I think I'm just going to ride him until I find somebody that's better. And then I would drop Carson Wentz. I used to have a habit of drafting one of the, like, top rookie quarterbacks per year um, in order to find somebody. Now, I ended up... Uh, trading for luck and kind of lucking out on Mahomes because I I liked him a lot uh, and I almost had Deshaun Watson like I went and picked it or tried to pick him up five minutes later um, than the guy who originally had Ben's team but uh, so I could have actually been okay with that slot but um, I I honestly don't see the the problem in trying to trying out one of those guys for two years and you know using it as a your backup quarterback slot which you know you probably need a backup quarterback we have so many roster slots you really can't make the case for me that um you know having joe burrow on your roster is that much worse than jalen richard bro or, he was like a late late route he's not even gonna make my 15 my 15 well, I understand, team. like by the time you get to your 23, because you're filling that out. Like, he's not, I'm not asking you to have Joe Burrow in your top 15. I'm asking you to have Joe Burrow in your top 23. Yeah, maybe. Or top but 22. But I, I, have, I have Ryan Tannehill now, too. And the way he ended last season, you know for damn sure I'm going to give him a run. 
See, well, that's the thing. Like, I can pick these people up. You know, like, I had Matt Ryan for two years, and then Carson Wentz came around, and I, I let go of Matt Ryan. And now since then, Matt Ryan has been on, like, three different teams in our league. So, for me, and saying, I play it the redraft is... way. I play it the redraft way. It's just, like, a quarterback is a dime a dozen. Like, you have the top guy, sure, whatever, he's going to do his thing. But the other guys in the middle, they fluctuate so damn much. Like, I'm not going to give a shit here or there about five points each and every week because it'll drop another five points the next week. This this league and how I structured it does give a little bit more weight to quarterbacks than other leagues. I will say that much. So it hasn't hurt you to this point because the rest of your team has been stronger. Watch, but... watch Carson Wentz go off and win an MVP this year. He ain't winning the MVP. Bro, I'm telling you, I, I guess I just don't understand why you're so hard on Carson Wentz. I'm not hard on him necessarily. Like, he has value, and he probably could have won an MVP <laughs> had he not blown out his knee a couple of years ago. I don't believe in what he currently has around him and what they're doing in that division that he's going to win an MVP. It's just not happening. Everybody's going to be healthy again. I'm not I'm not standing on a soapbox right now saying Carson Wentz is going to win an MVP. Don't say that's what I'm saying. Okay, because I was not. about to give you what a I'm saying, on that. What I'm saying is Carson Wentz is going to have an incredible year. He had a really good year last year with the pieces that he had. You have to admit that. You've got to. He and had now an he added a year. He, but he had nobody. He had nobody. Everybody was hurt. All of his top targets were hurt. Every single one. Now you get all of those guys back, plus you add a guy with a 4-2-9 40-yard dash, but also more than just a guy that takes the top off. Like, Jan Rager can play all over the fucking field. And you're going to have Miles Sanders now, who will be more involved in the passing game as well. I'm, I, me personally, I'm in a great spot at quarterback. I feel like I'm in a great spot at quarterback. My only position is... is- for not that you have to get rid of Carson Wentz, but you should for what you'd be potentially investing, you know, a third or fourth round pick, it's not going to hurt you to take, um, you know, another quarterback who could be mobile. We'll see who's there. We'll see. But unless Given that you gave up on Matt Ryan last year and only kept Wentz as your only quarterback going into the draft. And I told you that was kind of dumb and Matt Ryan actually had more points last year than Wentz did. Who would have thought at the beginning of the year that Carson Wentz would lose everybody on his starting receiver weapon? But you have an insurance policy against that by ta- keeping two yeah. damn quarterbacks. Listen, one of us was in the championship last year. One of us was in the championship two years in a row, and another person hasn't. Okay? Okay. Say okay. Don't make me wrong. <laughs> Say okay. <laughs> Fact of the matter is, I can't be touched in this league. I'm, I'm the greatest that's ever lived. And <laughs> uh, who won the championship last year? Danny did. Danny did. Yeah. So don't don't give me that. I'm impervious. Muhammad Ali bullshit. I am looking great at quarterback, and I appreciate your concern. Um, I'm more concerned about my running back spot more than anything. I understand, like, for immediate value and competing for a championship. But, like, if you're telling me two is there in the fourth round and I can invest very little in order to 
uh, lock up that spot. I'm thinking considerably about, you know, if I can lock up Burrow and um, Tua, why not? Yeah, we got to see who else is there. There's a lot of weapons. There's a lot of late-round people, too, that I'd I think Rodgers Rabbits um, invested a third-round pick, or maybe it was only a second-round pick, but now he has Kyler Murray to back up Russell Wilson. He has two mm-hmm. top-ten quarterbacks. That's not a bad problem to have for where that pick value was. Sounds like a tough decision to make every Sunday. Well, it, you might have to see it play out, but you can play the matchup. Are you, yeah. If if I had Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes, like I'm not going to lose whichever pick I'm going to make. It's just a matter of which one do I think I feel better about. Carson Wentz. There wasn't one of the list. <laughs> All right, let's wrap this thing up. We're talking All about right, circles. Sounds good. <laughs> so we're not bad for our first episode in a couple of uh, uh, months. So uh, an hour and 20 for um, just winging it. But yeah, it's good to be back. Yes, it was. So um, we are going to try and have some other upcoming episodes or come up with some stuff here in the near future. Um just stay tuned for the listening audience. Uh, otherwise, adios, folks. And that is your dagger. That's all for this week. And please uh, make sure to rate, subscribe, and review the new podcast on the Tom Duncan Network, as it's currently being called. Um, That'll help everybody else find the podcast and that uh, we continue to help uh, provide you winning opportunities on your fantasy teams, hopefully get you interested in this new type of uh, fantasy football. Uh, Until next time, thanks and have a great evening. Thank you.